Welcome to EdTalks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Twin Cities in partnership with Graves Ventures, a project of the Graves Foundation. EdTalks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. In this EdTalk, Rosie Lace and Natty Hills share information on new guides Great MN Schools developed to help families better understand what their kids should be learning each year, English language, arts, and math. They share what they've learned from beta testing with nine community organizations and over 250 Minneapolis families. Families who use the guides are better equipped to be learning advocates for their children and more likely to provide support at home, connect with teachers, and seek additional learning opportunities. Rosie Lace is the Director of Community Resources at Great MN Schools, where she blends her strategic and relationship building skills to ensure that every family member has the tools they need to navigate the K-12 system for their children. She began her education career as a Peace Corps volunteer in Panama, where she served as a national coordinator for the Leadership Development for Global Education program. An alumni of Minneapolis Public Schools, she earned her master's degree in public administration from Princeton University. Natty B. Hills was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia. Early in her career, she worked as an assistant director of an early learning center, where she witnessed the importance and value of high-quality education in supporting the health and well-being of children and youth. After immigrating to the U.S. in 2015, she began working at Centro Tyrone Guzman, where she currently serves as the youth program's director. She is proud to be part of the organization where she can work with her community and follow her passion in supporting children and youth. This Ed Talk was live streamed from Ice House in Minneapolis on May 8, 2023. Good evening, and thank you, Kira, for that introduction, and thank you, everyone, for coming this evening. Um, like Kira said, my name is Rosie Lace, and I am the Director of Community Resources at Great Minnesota Schools. I'm also a lifelong uh, South Minneapolis resident. I graduated from MPS, like Kira said, and still live in Longfellow with my husband and son. Um, I'm really excited to be here tonight with my longtime collaborator and partner in this work, uh, Nati. Hello, everyone. Really happy to be here with you all. Uh, family, friends, colleagues, educators. Uh, my name is Nati Hills. I'm the Youth Programs Director at Centro Teron Guzman. Uh, I'm a mom, an immigrant. I was born and raised in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, I started my journey at Centro in 2014 and joined the team a year after that. I have been working with Rosie in partnership with Great Minnesota Schools for over three years. So Nati and I are here tonight to talk to you because what we believe is next and what Paula believes is next um, is that engaging parents as true partners in their uh, kids' learning is going to change the education landscape in Minnesota. And we're here to talk to you about some of the work that we've done in that, um, some of the resources we've used, and then most importantly, what parents actually do with that information. But uh, like I said, I work for a nonprofit called Great Minnesota Schools. We are a local Minneapolis-based nonprofit that works to ensure that every child in Minneapolis is able to attend a great school. We do a lot of different things. Uh, we work with schools to help them improve. We work with families to ensure they have the information that they need to make the most of the K-12 education system. And then we also work to engage community to help them be informed on key issues um, that can help change our education landscape. So I'm gonna talk about the work that um, I lead at Great Minnesota Schools, and I also need to give a shout out to my, until very recently, uh, longtime colleague, Osman Ahmed, who did a lot of this work with me the last three years. Um, <laughs> woo! 
So uh, we work to provide families trustworthy information that helps them navigate the K-12 education system. Many of you um, I know are familiar with the Minneapolis School Finder, which is by far our longest running um, resource. We also provide information that helps families um, know if their child is performing on grade level and what they should be learning at each grade, as well as perhaps most importantly, resources that help families build that partnership with their child's teacher. So um, we do all of this work in partnership with community organizations across Minneapolis. We deeply rely on their existing relationships and trust that they've built with the community that they've often been working with for decades, such as uh, Central Tyrone Guzman, um, to distribute the resources and support families in their use in ways that are culturally appropriate and um, that families will be able to make the most out of those resources. So all of our partners that you see behind me distribute our K-12 family resources. And then the ones that you see in the purple box, um, of which Centro is one of them, also help us make the resources better. So they don't just hand out the resources, they then solicit feedback from the families that they give them to, um, and we're able to use that to make the resources more accessible. They also ask how parents use the resources so that we can ensure that we're having the intended impact that we want to. So, about two years ago, one of the resources that we started distributing throughout Minneapolis um, was a resource from our National Partners Learning Heroes. It's called the Readiness Check, and it's essentially a 25, 30 minute online assessment gut check that parents can have their student take to get a sense of if they are essentially on grade level in math or reading in kindergarten through eighth grade. So uh, we started working with the different community organizations around the city to share the readiness check and have families use it and see how it was landing with families. And I kept hearing the same story over and over and over again from the, from the community partners that they were hearing from families. Families were learning for the first time that their child was not on grade level. They were very surprised by this information and frequently their child had been in the education system for several years, right? They might be a fifth grader. And they were frustrated and scared because they didn't know how else they would have gotten this information and they weren't sure how they could avoid this happening. They didn't know what their child was supposed to be learning each year so that they could support them in learning that as well as ensure that they were receiving a grade level education. So, this isn't gonna be, I know a lot of you, so this won't be a surprise to you. We're big data nerds at GMS. Um, so when, we, when I hear these same stories over and over, I wanna see what research is out there to help us better understand that story. So we went out to look at like what are, you know, what is like parents' experience with understanding if their child is on grade level or not, and then what, what is sort of unteasing that number. So I'm gonna do a little pop quiz to see uh, how many of you caught this in Paula's presentation. Um, I'm gonna ask you to stand up if you think that 60% or more of families thought that their child was performing on grade level. 
All right, everyone's standing up. Um, stay standing if you think that 70% or more families thought that their child was performing at grade level. Stay standing if you think 80%. All right, a couple of people sitting down, there we go. And then stay standing if you think the number was 90% or higher. All right, the room has it. As Paula showed us, and this number is, um, Paula, you got this from Learning Heroes. Uh, so Learning Heroes has also done year-over-year -year surveys across many different communities and cities, and this number is relatively the same. 92% of parents, regardless of background, race, income, believe that their student is performing at grade level. I know this next number is not going to be a surprise to a lot of you, but this is very far cry from the reality of what's happening in our classrooms. 48% um, of students, so less than half of students in Minnesota right now, are considered proficient in math and reading. And we know that this number is significantly lower for students who identify um, as uh, black, indigenous, or um, another person of color, um, as well as students from a low-income background. So. What we also learned, though, from this research is that when parents receive trustworthy information, their mindset shift. So parents are not not paying attention, and they're not delusional. The reason that 92% of parents think that their child is performing on grade level is because for parents, grades equal grade level. And 84% of parents report their student is bringing home A's or B's, or whatever the equivalency of that is in the numeric system. So when you look, but as we said, their mindset shift. When you look at that original 92% number, when parents were told that their child was receiving a B in math, so a passing grade, that they were below um, grade level on their state assessment, and that they were below grade level on their benchmark tests, only 44% of those same parents thought that their child was performing on grade level. And this is much closer to what is happening um, on the ground. So given this research, and more importantly, given what we were hearing from the community organization partners, particularly that piece around parents' frustration and fear of not knowing how to avoid this, wanting to know what their child was supposed to be learning so that they could support them in that education, um, we decided to create the Minnesota Standards Family Guides. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with um, state standards, they are essentially the skills that uh, a student is supposed to learn in every subject area, and the Minnesota Department of Education, MDE, lays out what they are. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever gone looking for them. They're not always written in the most accessible language. So uh, we aimed to create guides that were in family accessible language that showed families what the uh, foundational, the most important um, standards their child should be learning in ELA and math um, for each grade level. And we currently have uh, kindergarten through eighth grade guides. 
Um, these guides show those foundational standards in family accessible language. They uh, show examples of what student work is supposed to look like at that grade level. They um, have uh, activities that families can use to practice at home. And then they also, and perhaps most importantly, and what parents have reported is really helpful, tips for talking to teachers and questions that they can ask teachers during parent-teacher conferences to um, help get a clear sense of where their child is performing and what they can do to support them. So uh, we have uh, been developing and testing these guides for the last two years. Um, and you know, uh, Centro has been a key partner for us in uh, helping them get out into the hands of families. As we've been doing this, we've also been asking families what they do with this information. So um, I'm gonna show you some numbers of what parents report doing after receiving the guides. Um, before I do though, I just wanna, you probably can't read the foot, footnote on there because it's pretty small, but I want um, you all to take note of who these survey respondents are. So they're families who are served by uh, community organizations, Centro Tyrone Guzman, um, Urban Ventures, Phyllis Wheatley Community Center on the north side, Lead the Way Minnesota, which is a newer organization serving the East African community, um, Pillsbury United Communities, uh, specifically the Brian Coyle Center, and then Way to Grow. These are families in which there is a false narrative that I know all of us have heard in this room in one form or the other, that they're not paying attention or they don't care. I think that these numbers are going to deeply combat that narrative. So 85% of families, after receiving the guides, uh, reported practicing key skills at home. 66% of families reported uh, going co-creating a learning plan with their child's teacher. And 55% of families reported uh, seeking out additional um, tutoring opportunities. I think it's worth noting that of the 250 survey respondents, fewer than 3% of them said that they took no action. This means that 97% of these families are taking an action to support their child's education after receiving trustworthy information, and frequently, most families are reporting taking more than one action. Um, I'm really, oh, thanks, Jen. Um, <laughs> I forgot to click the slide. So I'm really excited to, uh, Inter well, not introduce, but uh, share the stage with uh, Nati, who has been using these guides directly with families at Central Tyron Guzman. So, yeah, Nati. Thank you, Rosie. Um, I want to make sure this is, can you hear me good? Okay. Um, so, for those of you who, what is it? Sorry. For those of you who might not be familiar with Centro, Centro Tyrone Guzman is the oldest multi-service Latin organization based in Minneapolis. For 49 years, the organization has existed to connect, to support, and to engage and follow the leadership of low-income Latin families and community members of all ages. So I'm here today to share with you our experience as an organization. Uh, implementing the resources that Rosie just explained. And I wanna go back to her point about the perception about, um, of, of school uh, staff members and institutions about parents not wanting to be involved in their child's education. Um, 
Research is clear that when a parent is involved in their child's education, this student is more likely to have a positive attitude towards school, better grades, higher test scores. However, for our Latin families and many other immigrant communities, getting involved in their child's education starts by understanding how the U.S. school system is structured. So school systems are different uh, around the world, and even though there are some similarities between the U.S. educational system and the educational system in other Latin American countries, there are also many differences that can make the partnership between a school and parents very challenging. And before we go to my next slide, I would like to ask you all two questions. How many of you grew up in the U.S. school system? Raise your hand. One of you, okay. How many of you who raise your hand um, are aware of the differences between the educational system in the U.S. and another country? Thank you. So I wasn't born in the U.S., so I didn't grow up in the U.S. school system, and I want to show you some of those differences. Um, the grading system. In the U.S., we have letters, and the GPA that can go from zero to four. In Latin American countries, we have letters. You can see they're different letters. And sometimes we have numbers, too. And those numbers can go from one to five, one to 10, and sometimes from even one to 20. Advancing to the next level, and Paula, you mentioned this in your conversation. Uh, in your uh, presentation. Uh, in the U.S., uh, you can advance to the next level without being on track, without being at grade level. In Latin American countries, advancing to the, the next level, the next grade, means you are on track, you are on grade level. And this might be one of the most confusing and um, overwhelming differences for many Latin families who struggle to understand why is my child advancing to the next level, to the next grade, when they're not on track, when they're not ready? So you can have, uh, a, you can have seniors that are not on track, they're not at grade level, or you have high schoolers who don't have enough credits to graduate, and that's when drop-off happens. And language, English versus Spanish, and sometimes it feels like the U.S. educational system follows its own language with the many abbreviations and acronyms. I myself had a really hard time with that one when I moved to the US, still. And so many Latina students are not graduating on time or they're graduating unprepared to meet their goals for college and careers. And while more students than ever are enrolling college, far fewer of them are succeeding once they get there. You can see nationwide, 40% of college students, including 66% of black college students and 53% of Latin college students, have to take at least one remedial course. This means they must spend time and money learning skills that they thought they already mastered in high school. Many Latina immigrant parents believe that every school in the United States, it's good quality, it's high quality schools, right? 
And this perception changes rapidly once they face so many barriers and challenges and broken communication and again, uh, a wrong perception about them not wanting to be involved in their child's education. And as a mom, as an immigrant, and from my experience working with Latinx families, I wanna tell you, I can guarantee you that they do wanna get involved. They wanna be involved. Many of them move to the United States looking for better opportunities, better education for their children, for their families. And as Rosie showed you also on their data from other communities, um, the story is different. They do wanna get involved and they will take action if they're informed and if they're aware. They care deeply. And that's why at Centro Tarion Guzman, we've been using the level grade guides. For the last year, we have been showing parents the resources, the guides support parents advocate for their child's education, uh, communicate with teachers, and they're in Spanish. So they show parents what their child should know uh, and what they should be able to do from preschool to eighth grade. They also have tips on how to, um, how to involve in their learning in daily activities and how to communicate with teachers, all in Spanish. And with parents implementing these guides at home, we kept hearing the same story over and over and again, like Rosie. I didn't know that my daughter needed to be, uh, needed to know that at that grade, or I thought he was doing fine, or why wasn't I aware of this situation? We need help. And they do ask for support, and many of them get it. And there are other stories like Maria's. Maria was a mom that received the, the guide for her daughter who was in fourth grade. And she implemented the activities at home, and she realized that her daughter needed some extra support in math. They started practicing more at home, doing more activities to support her. And during those interactions and those conversations, she realized that her daughter was experiencing bullying at school and that this was actually what was really affecting her emotionally and academically. So Maria was able to um, reach out to the teachers and reach out to the school and advocate for her daughter, for her emotional well-being, for her support that she needed in math um, at school. And this is just one of the many stories and the impact of the guides and the impact of informed parents. Thank you. So that story of Maria and her daughter is not unique. We hear it from community partner organization after community partner organization, not just at Centro Tyrone Guzman. We hear it from communities all across Minneapolis. Um, so that's why me and Nati think, and Paula think what's next is engaging parents as full partners in their child's education, because we know from our work that when you do that, they will show up. So thank you all so much. Thank you. Ed Talks is presented by Achieve Twin Cities in partnership with Graves Ventures, a project of the Graves Foundation. For more information on Ed Talks or to watch Ed Talks videos or listen to audio podcasts, visit AchieveTwinCities.org.